part of the Hushal administration of Landers, but at Manhattan High School has the unique distinction, and an author, I should mention, um, but at Manhattan High School this year is Golda's esteemed father. So thank you for the example We love Golda, and it is a pleasure. Mrs. Yanovsky, Mrs. Mursky, and all of the uh, distinguished faculty and students. It's a big schluss to be here. Uh, as you just heard, um, Golda is my daughter. They also have Chava and Frida that uh, went through these uh, hallowed halls, and uh, they did very well, Baruch Hashem, and Golda's doing very well. So it's a very, it's a big honor for me to be here, and um, <laughs> Baruch Hashem, that we made it. Does anyone have a pen and a paper? No, but no, no, I don't need it. If anyone has a pen and a paper, it's going to come in handy if you want to win something that I brought. Okay. Okay, so think for a second, what is the most fundamental Pasuk in the entire Chumash? Don't say it, just think it. Every Pasuk obviously is fundamental and important and vital, but I'm thinking about one specific Pasuk in the Chumash that is the greatest, most maybe uh, powerful, inspirational, deep Pasuk, important Pasuk that you could think of. If you have a pen and paper, write it down. Just one person. Okay, pens down. Did anybody write down Shema Yisrael? Mrs. Tandler gets... Okay. Did anyone write down the Ahafta L'Rea Chachamecha? Write down Esakebes Haecha Tasa. Yeah? No way. Let me say that. I want to say. Okay, you did got it right. 
There's a medrash. It's actually brought by the Maral of Prague. He quotes it from a Hakdama of the Yaakov, and he says as follows. There's a medrash. Ben Zayma says that we find a pasuk that is the most fundamental, the pasuk HaKaileles Yaser. And that is Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekin Hashem Echad. That was the right answer. Then there's another mandam, or Ben Nanas, who says, no, the Ahafta L'Reacha Kamaycha, that is the most important, most fundamental pasuk. And then comes along Shimon ben Pazi, and he says, nope, it's a pasuk that Yehudas got, es hakeves ha'echad tasev ha'beiker ve'es hakeves ha'sheni tasev arbayim. Talking about the daily carbon tamid, every single day in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Mishkan, there was brought a carbon tamid, a daily continuous carbon one sheep in the morning, one sheep in the afternoon, and that was what happened every single day. That is the most important fundamental pasuk in the entire Torah. And you think, come on, that is not the right answer. But the Medrash ends, Amar Repliny, a certain Rav got up, Amar Halacha Keben Pazi. That's in fact how we paskin. We actually hold halacha that that is the most important pasuk in the Chumash. A daily carbon tamid in the morning, a daily carbon tamid every afternoon, that is the pasuk hakailokulai. And the Maral asks, what does this mean? How could this be? This is not a famous pasuk. It doesn't even seem to be, it wouldn't even make it in the top 10, probably not the top 100 if I was to give you a list of more famous psukim. But the Maral explains that the most important thing that a person can do, that a Jew can do in life, more important than the Shema Yisrael moments of life, the great moments of Mesiris Nefesh, the great moments that we do things that are the banner headlines of our life, maybe the Akedah type of things, or, or certain personal great accomplishments that we do, the Shema Yisrael, that's wonderful, but that's very sporadic. It's once in a very, very long period of time. The Ahat is also very important. Of course, it means that we have to have good interpersonal skills. We have to be nice to other people. But that's not as important as being consistent every single day. Every single day, day in and day out, like clockwork, doing what Hashem expects us to do, doing what HaKadosh wants us to do. The daily carbon tamid signifies that Hashem really wants a daily offering. In the morning, we get up, we do what we're supposed to. In the afternoon, we do what we're supposed to. And if we could do that every single day for the rest of our lives, we are a perfect this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects. Consistency, constancy, the ability to be in and out, day in, day out, the same person, doing the same thing, accomplishing the same goals, and sticking to what we want and what we need to do. I wanted to bring this out with a few a few uh, sources, and then a few stories in the time that we have left. 
Last week's parsha, we read about two great heroines of Kal Yisrael. Anyone know who I'm talking about? By a show of hands. Good, but no, that's not who I'm talking about. Excellent. Okay. So. Okay, Shifra and Pua. Shifra and Pua were the two midwives, the, the Jewish midwives that Parai wanted, uh, that sh- they should be in charge of the, uh, of the genocide, of the infanticide against the Jewish babies. And of course, they stood their ground and they go down in history as being heroines. They would not do it. They did not listen to Parai. Rav Rizovsky asked, why do we call them Shifra and Pua? Shifra and Pua, as Rashi says, means these are names of midwives that show their profession. This is what Shifra's, their Mishaferis Esavah, they knew how to make the baby look nice when it comes out. They have to like reform the, sometimes when a baby comes out of a mother, they have to do something with the bones, with the limbs to make it good. Uh, Pua is that they would coo into the baby's ears and make the, the baby calm. Why are you calling the great Erechavet and Miriam, who were Shifra and Pua, why are you calling them by their work names? Call them Erechavet and Miriam. There's no greater, more beautiful names in Klal Yisrael than, than Erechavet and Miriam. They're in the Vies, the mother of Maishra Abeno, the sister of Maishra Abeno, people that were great, amazing Nevi'ais. Why don't we call them by those names? And Rabbi says that the greatest accomplishment that a Jewish woman could have is not the, the fact that they're a Nevi'ah. They were Nevi'ahs. They, they had prophecy. And that's very important. But the fact that they did every single day their work, they were Mishaferis Esavla, they were able to do what they were supposed to do, bring up a child, raise a child, beautify a child, make sure that the daily things that needed to be done for Klal Yisrael, for the family, were taken care of, that was the most important title that could be given to these two great women. There are a few women in recent history that are um, wonderful role models for every Bas Yisrael. And in the, over the last few years, they, were, they passed away. And I want to speak a little bit about each of them. And this could really be said about any great Jewish woman, but these in particular, I think, are very uh, instructive. This year, there was a great woman by the name of Rebetzin David, who was Nifteris. She was the daughter, the only daughter, the only child of Rabitzel Kutner, the Rashiva of Chaim Berlin. And she was a brilliant woman. She was the uh, head of BJJ in Yerushalayim, and she was the, the wife of um, Rabbi Yenison David, who is the Rashiva, is the Rashiva Pachiditzlat Yibad al Chaim. I had a little to do with her through my writing of the books, and whenever I wanted to write anything about Rabitzel first I would call her and make sure that she was okay with it, and I had to send her drafts of what I was writing, and she, through people helping her, would edit it and send it back, and then again edit it and send it back, and it was, it was very 
you know, it was, she was very protective over her father's legacy, to put it mildly. And I have a friend who lived in her building in, in Yerushalayim, and it was Simchas Taira, and he was eating by, by them, by Rebbeinesen and his Rebbeinesen, and this buffer comes into the apartment, it was after the Hakafas, and he says to Rebbeinesen David, he says, did the Rebbeinesen enjoy the Hakafas? The Rebbeinesen David was standing upstairs in the yeshiva, in the Ezra Snashim, and he asked her, did you enjoy the Hakafas? As if to say, like, you know, she was a spectator, and she was just looking down and watching the Bachram dance, and, she, and he wanted a reaction. So she said to him like this, she said, from your question I can understand, I surmise that you think that you downstairs, you had Simchas Taira, you had Ha'akafas, you were the ones that were doing everything, and me, sitting up in the Ezra Snashim, I was just a spectator. And I want you to know that you're wrong. She said, you were doing what you were supposed to be doing downstairs, and I was doing upstairs my Abayda. When I was looking down and watching the Akafis, that is exactly what HaKadosh Baruch wanted me to do at that point in time, and I got as much, if not more, from Simchas Torah than you did by doing what you were doing. Which means to say that she was a woman as great as Rabbi and David was, and she was unparalleled in terms of her yediot, in, in, in terms of her knowledge, in terms of her ashkafa, in terms of her messairah, but she understood that at the end of the day, her greatness lies in the fact that she is doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing at any given time. That is the greatest title that could be given to anyone, man or woman. This isn't about women, this is about men also. If a if a man was, uh, you know, got, is a great leader, a great Rosh Hashiva, that still is not nearly as impressive as the daily job that he is doing. Every day, if he's doing homework with his child at the end of the day, that's very impressive to me. Because it means that he has the carbon tummet. Every single morning, he wakes up for davening, he goes to shul, he goes to, he goes to learn, he goes to work, whatever he might do, but he's doing everything right in a consistent manner. Rebetzin Zahava Bronstein is another great Jewish woman. I know that her son, who's a, a, a friend of mine, spoke by your Shabbaton, and he probably, I'm sure he said this story. I didn't ask Golda if he said it or not, but I'm sure he said it, because this is like one of the famous stories about her. But Rebetzin Bronstein was a woman that if you read about her, she was like also this one in a million type of woman. She was very, very dynamic. She had a magnetic personality. Everybody that met her wanted to be her. And she did great things for Klai Yisrael. She was the Minahelis of, of a Sephardic girls' school in Brooklyn. She really was like a one-woman uh, revolution in the, in the Syrian Jewish world. And she once made the following comment. She said, if this was the last day of my life, what would I want to do? What would I hope to do if this was the very last day of my life? She said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to have a vegetable soup on the stove for my husband. And I would also like to have to be sitting on the floor with a child, with a grandchild, playing Scrabble, playing some sort of board game. That would be my ideal last day of life. What's interesting about the story is that 
a Talmidah of hers, a Syrian girl who was already older, and she came to visit her when she was sick. She got very sick at the end of her life, and she died at a very young age, a relatively young age, 61, I believe she was. She came to visit her, and she was very sick by then. And believe it or not, her husband was sitting by the table, Rebetzin Rebbe Bronstein's husband, who was the Manal of Chaim Berlin, he was sitting by the table eating a vegetable soup, a bowl of vegetable soup that his wife was making for him. And she was sitting on the floor with her grandchildren playing a board game. I don't know if this was her last day of life or was near her last day of life, but what do you take out of this message? Well, you take out of the message with all of her greatness, with the great accomplishments that we can only dream about accomplishing in our lives. But she understood that that's not really what makes anyone great. What makes everyone great is not the Shema Yisrael, it's not the Vehaftlerecha Those are wonderful, but what really is the mark of greatness is Esakeves Echa Tasevabaker. Every single morning, I want to wake up, I want to do what I'm supposed to do, I want to daven. These are not things that you get, you know, big accolades for. Nobody's going to give you a standing ovation for waking up and davening and going to school and being nice to people. But this is really what is great. The greatness of Shifra and Pua, the greatness of Rebetz and David, the greatness of Rebetz and Bronstein, were not all the titles before their name, after their name. It was just who they were, essentially. And that is... They were great people, they were great mothers, they were great wives, they were great friends, they were good, honest people. And that is the greatest thing, the consistency is really what makes a person great. And that's really where the hashpah comes from. It's not a coincidence that all the great people that we know had this midah of personal greatness, of personal consistency. I want to speak a little bit about Rebetzin Schechter, Aaron Schechter, the Rashiva of Chaim Berlin, who was just lifted this year as well. Um, his Rebetzin, who I was very close with because I used to eat very often by Rev. Aaron's house, he invited me constantly for Shabbosis, and I could come back and just talk for an hour about what Shabbos looked like in the Schechter home. But Rebetzin Schechter was a very accomplished woman in and of herself. She was a Minahales of a, of a school in, in Brooklyn, a very big girls' school in Brooklyn. She was, I believe, the English principal. She came from a very hush of a family. She was very bright, very accomplished. But when it came to her home, when, it came, when she came into her home, she was just the Rebbitson. She didn't want any title. She didn't, no one knew how great she was. Outside, maybe they did, but inside the house... She basically single-handedly ran that house, which was a very big thing because every Shabbos, every single Yantif, and almost every day, there were guests. By every Shabbos table, she had to prepare food for at least 10 bachrim, by Shalashudas, maybe 30 bachrim, every, and she never got a break. It wasn't like, okay, this week we're not having guests. Every Shabbos, there were bachrim. Every single Yantif, Sukkot, Pesach, every, there was never a time that she could just have her family alone. He wanted Talmidim. He wanted Bachram there. And one time, many times, she would wait outside to pick him up after second Seder in the afternoon. And she was, you know, in the driver's seat waiting for him to come out. And I would go over. I said, Rebetzin, would you like me to uh, go and get the Rashiva? She said, no. She says, the Rashiva knows that I'm here. 
whenever he's ready to come, whenever he finishes learning, whenever he finishes talking to people, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. Which is an amazing thing, because I don't know too many people like that. I'm here, I'm waiting, you know, it's already, you're 10 minutes late, you're 20 minutes late, what are you doing? You didn't know that I was here? She was not like that. She just wanted to be Eisler at Bala. She knew that her husband was a prince, was a king, and she wanted to make sure that he was taken care of and that he was, that anything that he needed would be done. Listen to this story. They were once heading up at the beginning of the summer to go up to, the, to Camp Morris, which is where Chaim Berlin's summer camp is. They have like a bungalow colony there for their Abayim and for the Shiva and for whoever wants to go up there. And if you can imagine, you know, and you, I'm sure you can, if you're heading up to a bungalow, imagine the scene that you have everything already put in your car. Maybe it was a station wagon at the time or a minivan, and your car is fully packed. And you have your luggage and you have your, uh, I don't know, Whatever, whatever people, your bicycles and your skateboards and your roller, whatever it is in your car, and it's fully packed. And the kids were already in the car waiting to leave. They were going to drive up now to go up to the country for the summer. And everything was waiting to go, except that Ravaren was learning in his study, and he got into, in the middle of a sugya that he got very engrossed by. And he just forgot about the time. Now, if, it was, if I was the Rabbitson, or if you were the Rabbitson, you'd probably go knocking and say, okay, it's time, we have to go, you know, we're waiting to, we're waiting to go up to camp, uh, the kids are restless, we have to... She didn't say a word. She said, whenever the Rashiva is ready, that's when we're going to go. And they waited an hour, and the way the Rashiva didn't do this on purpose, he lost track of time. Before he knew it, it was already nightfall, it was too late to go, everybody had to get out of the car, and then they left the, the next morning. This is not a simple woman. This is a woman that's very educated, very prominent, had a life that was beyond the house. But when it came to being who she was, the greatness of Rebbe Schechter was that she was consistent every single day. Every day, day in and day out, she was consistent. There was no shaking her consistency by the Shiva when she was Nifteris about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. So I went to be Menachem Avol by Ravaren, and I, I sat next to him and I said, Rashiva, the Rebetzin was Mavatel herself totally to you, which means that she totally gave up her life for you. And he got very upset at me for saying that. He says, no. She did not give up her life. She was not Mavatel herself to me. She made a decision when we got married, that this is what she was going to do with her life. This is what she wanted to do with her life. If she would have said at one point throughout our marriage that I changed my mind, then everything would be different. But every single day she woke up and she made a conscious decision, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to do what's best for my family. I want to do what's best for my husband. It wasn't a bit, it wasn't that she was just completely like giving herself over, like surrendering her life. This was her life. Her life was making sure that her husband, that her children, that her, her husband's Talmudim were taken care of and loved and, and, and doted upon. And this is something that I think is very, very, uh, very special that we learn from each of these great women. 
And this is how we could live our lives. I made a list of things that I think are very important. You'll forgive me, some of them are very, um, they're just very ordinary. It's not something great, and that's exactly the point. But just listen to what I have to say. You don't have to accept what I'm saying, but just listen to my list of things that if we could do this every day, we're not talking about after we get married, and you know, the, but right now, as, as young singles, in a family, in a home, in high school, these are things that if I could, you know, get my children, my family to, you know, to do, and myself to do every single day, we would be great people. Simple things, but just to do it with the consistency. We wake up in the morning. We say Maidani. That's the first thing that a Jewish person does. We say Maidani. We thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I did not have to wake up, but you allowed me to wake up, and I'm going to give the most to you, Hashem, this day. The second thing that we have to do, Golda's smiling and she knows what I'm going to say, is make your bed. You're going to say, Rabbi Bamber, it's none of your business what I do in the morning, right? And it isn't. But it's such an important thing when you wake up in the morning to make your bed. Even if you have a cleaning lady that's going to do it for you, I don't care. I, there's not a single morning, I think, in the past 40 years that I haven't made my bed. It's just a nice thing. You, you wake up in the morning, you make your bed. It just shows that you care. It shows that you are considerate of your mother, of the people in your house, of, your, of people that might be in your room. And it's nice to come home yourself later on to a made bed. It means that you know, your whole day you'll be, you'll be much... It's not a big deal. This is not something that, you know, you're not going to win any awards by graduation for making your bed every morning. But it's something that if you could do that, if you could just master this ability to wake up, say, Maida'ani, and, and make your bed, it's a tremendous accomplishment. That in, that in of itself will be something that makes us great people. When you see people in the morning, you say good morning, whether it's the guard outside, whether it's your teachers, whether it's your friends. You just say good morning. It doesn't cost anything. But by doing that, you're making people all around you feel special, feel cared for, and it shows that you are not just living for yourself, you're living for other people. You want to shine. You want to be the sunshine in other people's lives, as Revolvi put it. Be nice to everyone. Be nice to everyone. It doesn't have to be just your chavra. Of course you have to be nice to your chavra. But be nice to girls that are older than you, girls that are younger than you, girls that are from your city, from a different city, from your Hashkafic background, from a different Hashkafic background, it doesn't matter. You just always have to be nice to every single person and make everybody feel good and special about themselves. That is a mark of greatness. That's what a great person does. This is very, very important. To hold the door for somebody else. I have a, somebody in my shul that is in his 90s, and he always tells me, he says, I went into shul before, and there was a little kid, and he didn't buy, I was like four feet behind him, he didn't wait for me to hold the door. And he gets very upset about that, and I get upset about that also. Do you know how nice it is when you just take a second extra to hold the door for somebody? Do you know that people say about you, wow, that's a special person? It's not a big deal. You're not like giving up your whole life for it. It's not a Shema Yisrael moment. It's a Keves Echad moment. But every time you see you're walking through a door, you have to have like peripheral vision to make sure that you're not going to slam the door on somebody behind you, your back. 
And by doing these simple things, these are not big deals, but it's a huge deal. It's the Shifra and Pua, it's the Rebbitz and Bronson, it's the Rebbitz and David, it's the Rebbitz and Schechter. These are the messages that we will take with us for the rest of our life. You know, I saw the, the sign that was up for me. Um, welcome Rabbi Bamberger, um, father of Golda, author, and Mashkir uh, Ruchani of Lander College for Men. And at first I smiled, that's like, oh, it's cute that they put Father of Golda first. But the truth of the matter is that that's exactly right. They nailed it. Whoever did that sign nailed it because that's exactly what it is. It's not about, who cares about Mashkiach Ruchani? Titles are irrelevant. Titles don't mean really much. Authorship doesn't mean so much. The greatest thing, if I, you know, Kamu Vanava Yashruha, the greatest thing that I could be in my life, if this was my final day, is that my children say about me, that he was my father. He was there for me. He, he helped me with homework. He helped me with, uh, he played ball with me. He was there for me to, uh, you know, whenever I needed him. That's what I want. I don't want anything else. Titles are just, you know, they're nice, but they don't do anything for us in terms of our legacy. The real legacy, the greatest legacy that we will all have is were we good people? Were we doing what we're supposed to be doing on a consistent basis, that every single day people know about us. That is a nice person. They say about us, we're nice people, we're good people, we have, we're well-mannered, we're well-behaved. When we go away, we're the person that shines in the room. We're the person that always makes other people feel good. We're the ones that are offering to help when other people are down, people are sick, and we wanna, we wanna try to make them feel better. We see another person is... One more minute. That is going to be the ultimate mark of our greatness. The greatest people in the world, you, you, you give me any gadol and I will tell you that the greatness was not how many Blatkamara he knew and how many Yidin he saved in, in, in Russia. The greatest, and you see the 90% of any gadol biography is the small little things that they did day in, day out. They said, they went to the kitchen after dinner was over and they said to the chef, you know, the food was delicious. That's what makes a gadol a gadol. And that's not incidental. That's not a warm and fuzzy story. What makes us great is the smallest things that we could do. Those little things in life are the greatest sources of hashpah. And my bracha teach and every one of you is that you should live a life of little things. Of from the morning to the afternoon, to the evening, always do what's right at any given decision-making moment. Make sure to decide right, to do right, and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you.